When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be looking back at our 1-0 defeat to Liverpool at Anfield on Wednesday night. A decent performance and another bad penalty decision when will it go our way also in this podcast we're going to preview monday's game against leicester city at the cottage and we've got some emails to finish the show and you might be able to hear it sounds a little bit different today for once we're not recording this from our bedrooms we are live in liverpool at uh, the albert dock uh, outside it's a little bit windy you might be able to hear that as well uh, and myself and george cooper found ourselves uh, at a coffee shop just outside admiring the beautiful view and i just mentioned him hello george cooper hello mate you're right what a pleasure it's been to spend uh, a day in this fantastic city yeah it's we've had a good time haven't we despite the result yeah we we did definitely i always love coming up to liverpool been a while since i went to anfield and uh, yeah despite the scoreline not quite going our way it was uh, it was a decent evening yeah it was we left the anfield i mean what a fantastic place to watch football and I felt proud of our team. I really did. I think that it just, and we, I mean, we sound like a broken record, but we said it so many times. It just shows how far this club and this team has come that we're leaving Anfield feeling slightly hard done by. And I mean, we'll come on to the, the soft, soft penalty, but second half especially, I think that we were the better team. I really do. Yeah. Well, before we get into the game, let's do some three word reviews. So, George, what were the best ones that came in? I've been some very good ones. So the ever-reliable Richard Bambo was Scouse Day Tripper. <laughs> Not to be. It was going to the Cavern Club last night, didn't we? Yes, we did. We had a First nice time, time ever. That was, that was fantastic. We've got Matt Wall with Valiant Against Reds. Can you tell me what the initials of those three spell out? Eh, uh, very clever. Uh, Rachel came in with Darwin's Levitation Theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, we're really... Uh... Yeah, we're firing all cylinders here. Um, Jason Sinclair checking club badge <laughs> yeah and then we got ripped off again by Darren Salmon uh, David Wilson with video absent referee <laughs> there's a lot of um, spotting recurring themes here and yeah never a penalty a load of people coming in with, with those kind of things uh, Jake Wilgus came in with pitch too wet <laughs> oh yeah classic <laughs> very good very good and then we'll finish off with Will Spratt with Issa not fair all right, then let's look at the match uh, as a whole. And, and George, as you mentioned, um, a one nil defeat, but another game where Fulham can actually look back at it with some pride. It seems like that's been the consistent thing. You know, we, we lost to City by a goal, but we come out of the game with some pride. Um, we lost to Villa by a goal. We came out with a bit of pride. That seems to be the Fulham way lose, but come out with some pride. Yeah. And I mean, it extends even further. Newcastle. Lost by a goal, came away with some pride. Um, the away leg I'm talking about. Manchester United at home, lost by a goal, left with some pride. <laughs> Goes back even further. Arsenal lost by a goal, came out with like we're we're going toe to toe with the elite of this league. Yeah, and I think that I mean first half Liverpool came out and just caused us a lot of problems with their press, and we were under the cosh for large spells, particularly the opening 25 minutes. Um, had many chances that just seemed to sort of zip past the goalposts. Um, Leno seemed to have them covered, but we rode that storm. And mm. if we go into that game at nil-nil, then you're thinking anything's possible. And it's just such a shame that a trailing leg, uh, Nuno's diving over a leg, not coming into contact with a leg, will come into it. It seems to have really split the opinion, but... Um, that being the difference, it really does hurt because I feel like Fulham, this team, have deserved 
one of those flagship away wins against the big six this year yeah. and feel really hard done by I do yeah um, I think you can't look at last night's match really without um, discussing the penalty incident so we might as well come on to it first it's not necessarily covering the game chronologically it was one of those George that actually in the stadium at the time I assumed it was the right decision I mean Diop <laughs> two things are correct here Diop was clumsy but also he has dived and it's not a penalty you don't concede penalties for being clumsy and the fact that he did put a leg in there but Nunes it didn't touch him and had to get out of the way of it doesn't mean it's a penalty I, I, I can't see how you look at that and don't think on replay that it's clearly and obviously just not a foul yeah and you could see when we were sat in the stands and you're watching it at full pace yeah I mean I wrote the little half time review that we put out on Twitter and WhatsApp and I thought it looked like a penalty you know trailing leg clumsy challenge Bosch over and then <laughs> upon the replay and you, the thing that um, the reaction from the players I mean Leno was incensed and was um, chatting to the chatting to the ref afterwards being like this just wasn't a penalty um, and then it's one of those where if that's being checked properly it's overturned if there's no contact there but I mean do you, do you think it's, it was one of those it's like 50-50 You've seen them given, you've had them given against you. Like, if that was Fulham in the opposite end... I think if if VAR didn't exist, I would have no qualms. Because I would have agreed that live in the stadium, I thought it was a penalty at the time. So I kind of understand why the referee gave it. But we, we do have VAR. They are able to watch replays. And upon a replay... I think it's obviously not a foul. I think he obviously doesn't touch him. And there's, there's no way that you can prove that he does. And some some fouls, like for instance, the, the Bobby Deckard overread penalty against Man City, I think it was a foul. Obviously, I'm going to think that. But I also understood why VAR didn't overturn it. It was one of those that if it was given, VAR was never going to overturn it either way. But that's when I think the thresh I think last night the threshold has been crossed between clear and obvious and that's what I thought that VAR was there to do was to make sure that decisions like that were overturned and then to hear from Tom Kearney after the game that the referee admitted to one of the players Tom didn't say which player um, that it wasn't a penalty it is is really frustrating because I mean, almost, almost rather the referee hadn't have said that to one of our, our players. And I saw that Anthony Robinson retweeted Kearney's words on, on Twitter last night about, you know, are the, are the PGMOL going to apologise and stuff? And so I think the players are clearly incensed by, by that decision. Yeah, I mean, a weird flex from the ref. Like, why would you, why would you even yeah, admit I'd... that? It's like, is he trying to get under their skin? Like, if, if you, yeah, surely you just you just say, you know, decision was made, that's that, get on with it. Like, well, I don't understand what to what benefit it would be for the referee to disclose that. Um, and, you know, you just got to hope that it rallies, rallies the team. I mean, they're going to they're gonna feel really, really hard done by, rightly so. Because um, I think that was a game last night that Fulham could have, easily drawn or, or got a win out of if that decision doesn't go against us because Liverpool like didn't create all that much as you say they had a decent spell in the opening 30 minutes but that was about it second half we were not under pressure no we, we were controlling the game we were making the better chances I was absolutely convinced that we were going to get that equaliser you know when you just feel it coming mm. we saw Jack Kelly in the stands as well and he was like it's coming lads it's coming I was like yeah, it? <laughs> um, unfortunately it never did but yeah, as I said, you just got to hope that this us against them mentality. I mean, I know Sammy, you at times have got your tin hat out a few times, and you really do um, believe that there's this kind of top six agenda, um, and they get the rub of the green with the decisions. We've seen it time and time again go against us this year, and you just got to hope that eventually the luck does level out and we start seeing some going in our favour. Because at the moment, it's like we're definitely in a deficit here. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to most of the time not think that there is a top six agenda. And like, I don't think there is a stone cutters meetings of referees where they're working out how they can give decisions to the top six. See, I think there might be. <laughs> <laughs> sort of eyes wide shut-esque, sort of ceremonial gowns, 
Yeah, weird. Howard Webb leading them all and saying, <laughs> gentlemen, welcome. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it just, it's VAR for me. That's what frustrates me is that VAR is there to make sure that these decisions are right and that when big errors are made by referees that someone goes, Stuart, you want to go check that one? And I, and I just don't understand in this instance why that's not used. And that's because there's so much pressure on them from all quarters and now they don't know when to use it and when not to use it. You know, we saw it with that Brighton Spurs match um, a few weeks ago where they, they didn't use it and they didn't give Brighton what was like an absolute, the most stonewall penalty. You and, and now they're just scared, I think, to use VAR. I think they're terrified that VAR's going to make a bad call. And so it's almost gone back to, no, no let's just trust the referee. And it's like... Why Why do this? Why have it? Why employ people back in Stockley Park to be there? I think one of the biggest fears is that, and criticism of VAR, is that it, it disjoints the game. It makes it less free-flowing, less exciting. They take too long to do the checks. So there was that initial backlash, and now they're too worried about <laughs> being diligent that they're just trying to rush through decisions. And it, there, was no, there was no prolonged check there. You get told, yeah, it's being checked. Yeah, it's been checked. Penalty. Like, if anyone takes a moment to genuinely scrutinise that, then you're at least calling Atwell over to have a look at the monitor, right? Yeah, and, and I, I think we should be using the monitor more. The monitor now just seems to be a confirmation of a VAR decision. Just like, be, say to Stuart, look, mate, I think you want to go check this. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to then be a penalty, but Stuart Atwell go, should go over and have a look at it. I, I don't know how he, if he went over to the monitor. I mean, clearly he's, he, he has made up his own mind that it wasn't a penalty. And so therefore... Unless someone's lied and, that, and the referee never said that, and I, I would take Tom Kearney at his word, then clearly then I think the club are owed an apology. If they apologise to Brighton for not giving a penalty, the PGM, PGMOL have done it several times and the referee has outwardly admitted it to a player that it was, then, then there has to be an element of, of them coming out and saying to Fulham, we got that one wrong. I don't think there's any shame in that either. Just like, OK, we're, it's a new process. We're learning and trying to make it better with each time. You know, we're all... We, there's no I, I think I don't think anyone would be I think it's just the right thing to do have a bit of have a bit of integrity and you know admit when you've made a mistake I think that if Atwood does go over to the monitor checks it and then still decides it's a penalty I think that people are less angry because yeah. it's like for me the thing that really annoys me is the fact that it just wasn't even wasn't seemingly wasn't even looked at yeah precisely let's get away from the penalty and just discuss the, the performance I thought it was another decent performance decent cameo from Carlos Vinicius up top he had I think the best chance of the first half although actually I think one of the underrated chances was Harry Wilson in the opening 10 minutes he went through he beat the offside trap and he and he tried to pass it to Carlos Vinicius rather than shooting it seemed like quite a weird decision from from Harry go for it it's, you're at the cop at your old club like yeah. have a go son it was a weird one because it was at the opposite end to where we were sitting so we figured there must have been something on but upon looking at the replay just have a go there just yeah. have a go test the keeper he's, he's got his shooting boots on of late he's you know he's hits goal scoring form again he's full of confidence like you back yourself back yeah. yourself yeah it was it was frustrating and then Carlos Vinicius probably made the best opportunity um, forced a really good save out of Allison. and yeah he, something's changed in Carlos Vinicius in the last couple of games he looks a bit more up for it he looks a bit angrier he looks like he is fighting a little bit more and and Carlos seems like one of these people behind the scenes who I, he seemed immensely popular at the club but sometimes you, I, I've watched him playing football and be like come on mate it's not the Copacabana here like like put a shift in lad but actually the last couple of games I feel like he has actually decided to kind of get out of second gear and, and, and actually even if he's not goal scoring he's actually working hard for the team yeah he's demanding the ball to feet a lot more which I think has been the difference rather yeah. than long balls and crosses going into him the thing that really impressed me about his game last night is his body movement with his first touch he's got an ability to you know drop a shoulder with his first touch and, and shift a um, defender and and then that's where he's dangerous when he's running towards goal finding people within the channels put, bringing our wide men in um, and he thought he did that really well yesterday with the chance that we were speaking about again you know, it sort of came out of nowhere. The ball was played directly to his feet in the centre. I think he shimmied Van Dyke, was it? He kind of just found the space. Yeah, found space. He was like, oh, fuck, he's through here. Let's, let's go. Um, I actually think he should have got a bit closer to goal. That would, I, I, he had I, more time than he thought he did, didn't he? Yeah. But that was testament to how good his 
his movement and his touch was. Um, yeah, he's he's got he's got the bit between his teeth at the moment, and I think he's staking a really good claim to be our kind of starting striker for our game against Leicester. Obviously, it's the last game before Mitro's back, and I think overall, when we look back at sort of Vinicius, his uh, standing spell, they've been ups and downs, but overall, you've got to say fair play. He's put in a shift. Yeah, he's he's done all right. You yeah, know, this was always going to be a tough eight games without Mitrovic, and um, yeah, I, 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 my opinion on him has has changed. And to be honest, I'm all just for players putting in a shift. I don't mind if you haven't always got the quality. You're our backup striker. You aren't ever going to be Alexander Mitrovic. There was just a couple of times where I've watched Carlos Vinicius and thought, like, you're not you're not running, you're not fighting, and and that's I think when fans get frustrated is if, if, if we see that you're not putting in 100% but you cannot label that, label that at him in the last um, couple of games he had our other kind of best chance in the second half, it's really well worked great to see Willian um, back in the squad, he made it and I mean I've watched the replay, at the time I thought Carlos Vinicius had spurned it, it's actually just an unreal save Yeah, I mean arguably the best goalkeeper in the world it was up against and he just makes himself so what, big Leno? <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah tied tied at the top <laughs> but he makes himself so big he comes off his line quickly he just closes down the angle like really if Vinicius f- hits the target there I mean there's just there's just so little to aim at of the goal he does everything right yeah it's going it, bottom corner it's it, and it's it's a real outstretched outstretched arm from from Malison, I, th- I think it's it, it definitely is more in the category of good save rather than bad miss. Yeah, I mean it was brilliant work from Willian to create that chance as well. I yeah. thought he was our best player first half. Every time he got the ball, he looked lively. Yeah. You know, running at defenders, he's full of confidence. He's electric. He's got that close touch, that drop of the shoulder, that turn of pace. He was our biggest threat, and you could see from his reaction after it was saved by Allison just you know how big a chance that was. He yeah. was he was really gutted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it made so much positivity to come from yesterday. We left the Anfield feeling really, really proud of our team. That was that was that was my overall take home. Um, what did we make of uh, Cedric? A bit of a surprise inclusion for Tete. Uh, I'm not convinced. I thought he did all right. I don't think he did anything particularly wrong. But we just lost that stability down that right hand flank and that dynamism moving forward and his strength and his just overall competence like as I say he didn't do anything particularly wrong like there wasn't anything yeah. at fault but I think Fulham would have been a stronger team last night well obviously would have been a stronger team with Tete in there. It, it sort of begs the question why make that swap I was talking to you before Sam I wondered whether there was some sort of uh, guaranteed minutes in Cedric's loan contract or something because it didn't really make that much sense no that's that's what I can't get my head around, and I was um, having a bit of debates with uh, Fulham's regular George Rossiter, who was like, "It's fine, it's fine, you know, like it's because um, we've got three games in a week, and we need to rest Tete, and Tete's injury prone." And I, I, I sort of get that, but it's not three week games in a week in the traditional sense. You I know, mean, Sunday, Wednesday, Monday, I, and Tete's not shown any sign of lack of fitness lately. I just. I don't understand why you wouldn't start your best player. And I genuinely think Tete has entered that realm of, for me, first two or three names on, on the team sheet. So it's just a bit, it's a bit strange. You know, we don't, we don't rest Polina. We don't rest um, um, Robinson or Diop or Dosin or Leno. We don't, we don't, we don't just give Marek Rodak a go. Mm. So I don't see why we have to just give someone that's not even our player a game like I, I kind of like Lukic coming in for Reed. I'm like okay it makes more sense he's our player it's in our interest to develop Lukic and, and get him settled into this team but Cedric won't be here next season so I, that's why I just I don't personally get it but look maybe there's something we don't know behind the scenes maybe Marco's looking to make it permanent maybe Tete's carrying a slight knock that's not worth sort of acknowledging you know yeah. there are there are many other think, reasons why it could have happened but you assume if, if Tate is fully fit, he should start that one. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll uh, probably flip uh, fit back in for uh, the Leicester game. Uh, speaking of other um, players that we haven't seen too much of, we did mention him, Sasalukic in the middle. Um, I, I thought that again, it was a it was a six seven out of ten for Sasalukic. Didn't set the world on fire, but also tidy with the ball, did a good job, sits well alongside Polina and Kearney and. 
I, th I think there's a player there. He just needs some, some game time, which is exactly what he got. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of what, you know, what he brought, to be honest. I don't think it was a dreadful performance, much like um, Cedric, but... I think he's one of those kind of players. I mean, I joked when we signed him that uh, I saw Serbia twice in the World Cup. He played both of those games and I didn't know who he was. I think he's a player who actually does a lot of unseen work. And yeah. He's not a headline grabber in any way, shape or form. He's just a tidy player that handles it, handles the midfield. He's not wasteful in possession. He rarely loses the ball, does a job, keeps things ticking over. He's not going to play that Hollywood pass or make that last-ditch sort of crunching tackle or interception, but he just... He's just an efficient, uh, nondescript central midfielder. But, I mean, against Liverpool, do you need players like that? Arguably, yes. But he didn't, yeah, he didn't set the world on fire. But um, yeah. good to see him get some minutes. And, and, and Kearney um, dropped into the Pereira role. I thought he played brilliantly again. I just, I just think he's so classy. I, just, I, just, I enjoy watching Fulham more when Tom Kearney's on the pitch. There's just something about him that I just think, I think anything can happen when you've got Tom Kearney, a moment of magic can spring out of nowhere. And his, his touch and his close control are genuinely just wonderful to watch. Mm. He's like the, um, I always think, he reminds me of a metronome, you know, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. that just keeps things ticking from side to side and he can just switch up play and with that silky kind of regularity. And yeah, again, he was brilliant. I really do think he was great. And I mean, with Andreas Pereira being out, it's obviously such a blow to the squad, but... We were saying um, earlier that it's not with the players that we have out. It, it's not that bad in this case because Ream we can bring in Diop, um, Pereira bringing in Kearney. The only problem is now that we didn't have an awful lot of depth last night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really great performance. And I just love this element of the game that he's brought this season, which it's like he's a doggy tackler. He chases stuff down. He presses. Yeah. He puts in a tackle, which is something that he never had previously. You know, he was our silky sort of playmaker, but didn't really come in with a tackle and shore up the midfield at all but he's brought that element to the game it's been great and he's I mean absolute club legend yeah and uh, one player that I just feel like deserves some more praise because it was another great performance Anthony Robinson he's playing yeah. his best some of his best football in the last few games there was that period you know he made up such a big mistake at Bournemouth and and we all kind of pilloried him for that he he, he made a few more mistakes in, in other games as well and I was a bit worried about him and actually in the last two or three weeks he, he's turned turned it up again and he's, he's playing some scintillating stuff. Some of his running in the second half is just just fantastic. I, I, I think we're seeing the best of him again after a few dodgy performances. I mean just the engine on the man, like he's just always there on the overlap, yeah. right up into the death, right up into the dying embers of the match. He's bombing it down that channel. Um, and also just the way he carries the ball as well particularly impressed me yesterday his mm. lateral running um, his switching up of uh, the play across the field like he was he was really really good performance I always <laughs> I always slightly worry when uh, some of our players because he's got that athleticism and that build that is the making of a of a you know a, an elite top six kind of fullback so whenever someone puts in a really good shift in front of the likes of Liverpool I'm like <laughs> hands off lads come yeah. on he, he's ours he's ours but um, I could see him going to a to, to a to a big, big side. Well, I've said this for a while that I think actually the most likely transfer chase this summer, I actually think isn't Polinia. I think it's someone trying to come in for Anthony Robinson this this summer. I think that's the one we might have to ward off some interest. And I think we can get big money for him because I think he's young, he's athletic. You saw him, and we didn't mention it on the pod, he went toe-to-toe -to -toe on uh, Sunday with Kyle Walker in the second half. And... Um, only players that can uh, match Carl Walker in a running race, and he came out on top just about. You know, it was tough, but and that and that's something we have at our disposal. And yeah, it's great to see him, you know, doing so well again. He's got all those attributes of uh, of the modern fullback. And whilst there are some elements of his game that need a bit of refining, you know, his defensive positioning is something that sometimes comes into question. But he's improving, and yeah, he's a real asset to the squad. Again, one of the first names on the team sheet when fully fit. Yeah completely all right well uh, that'll do for the Liverpool review we're going to take a quick break and afterwards we'll look ahead to Monday's game against Leicester City 
If you'd like to watch football matches and TV shows which aren't available in your region, or maybe you'd like to save money by purchasing flights from different virtual locations, then we've got an amazing deal with NordVPN where you can get a massively discounted rate plus four free months by heading to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Now, I've been using NordVPN for well over a year now. It comes in very handy very often. Uh, particularly when watching sporting matches using my UK subscriptions when I'm abroad, or you can use it the other way around if you're in the UK and you want to use subscriptions from other countries. A subscription to NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, and you can use one account on up to six devices. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash and you can get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months all for free. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So to grab that deal, go to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast it is Sammy and George here, still at a windy Albert dock in Liverpool. Let's uh, look ahead to Leicester on Monday. And uh, I should probably uh, take a moment to say that the Fulhamish live after the Leicester game at the Half Moon Putney is sold out (laughs) we are really really excited to do a live show uh, after the Leicester game so we're going to look back at that match and then we're going to answer a load of your questions we're also going to do a live this will catch on so if you are coming down we cannot wait to see you uh, at the half moon on Monday wow this uh, this wind is uh, really picking up a a flag has just been blown over uh, from the from the gusts uh, here and in Liverpool let's look ahead then to uh, the game on Monday Uh, a struggling Leicester City Uh, they drew uh, their massive game with uh, with Everton on Monday I've been saying for a while George that I don't think Leicester are going to go down because I really I strongly believe that it's going to be Southampton Everton and Leeds but that's a bad result for them on Monday not to be Everton at home and uh, yeah I mean I mean they're gonna be fighting for their lives on Monday absolutely like it's, it's all on the line for them and this will be probably one of the few games that they'll be looking at to uh, to get a result particularly with with Liverpool coming after us yeah they'll be they'll be looking at it as a must win I think that lose against us and they're in real trouble and you look at their run of form like apart from when they beat Wolves 2-1 at home that is their last win since when was the last time they won after that well there is I think it's go, you have to go back to when they beat uh, Spurs 4-1 yeah they, which was which is in February yeah so they're having a torrid time you look at the quality that they have on their side like it's a it's a good side yeah it's just they've had a horrible 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 season and yeah I mean when we saw them we went to the the, um, the away leg we beat them of course yeah and they were terrible mm. like really bad one of the worst teams that I've seen um, Fulham face this year and that just hasn't they've just never really hit their strides um <laughs> They've got they've got danger, you know. You've got like Savardi in that squad. Yeah, but and, and Madison's fit at the moment, and and it was the case earlier in the season of when Madison was playing Leicester one, and and actually that seems to have even gone out the window now, and and now even with Madison, they they've been struggling to uh, to to win games. But yeah, I mean, can't say it enough that you look at this side, and I'm like. <laughs> I, I, I foresee a difficult game but then you look at the run of results and actually like well this is one that Fulham should win because they've been falling off a cliff and yeah they, they got that one win over Wolves but they are gettable I think defensively they just they just concede too many goals yeah I've got a lot of injuries in their defence as well um, which, which obviously hasn't helped proceedings but yeah very leaky defence I mean really interesting point is that the bookies and um, sort of like win, win probability calculator that they have have got 36% either way for Fulham or Leicester and then draw 28%, which basically would <laughs> dictate that this anything could happen in this match because you've obviously got Fulham safe, not really a lot to play for, absentees and injuries, and then you've got Leicester who are literally fighting for their lives. Like, it could be the making of quite a good, good match. Yeah, I mean, you just actually, I hadn't quite realised how slightly desperate their... Uh their four games and the situation is now for, for Leicester as you say after us they have Liverpool then they go to Newcastle chasing the Champions League I, I don't see them getting anything up at St James's Park and then you've got final day against West Ham at home which might say if West Ham are safe that's probably what they'll be clinging on to is that if you've got a, a West Ham with nothing really to play for who aren't brilliant then you might just win that final day against um, against the Hammers but yeah, 
they'll be looking at this game and the West Ham game as if they can get the two wins there, then they might just keep their heads above water, considering, you know, Everton got a really tough run of form and, and a t- tough run of games, so have Leeds. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if they do stay up, it's not going to be through... Uh, brilliance is it like, it's literally just going to be the fact that there were three worse teams than them and be through the skin of their teeth I and mean, let's not forget they're currently tied with Leeds and Forest and they're all on the play 34 yeah so they're they're right in this if they lose against us they are in deep shit yeah yeah so from a Fulham perspective um I mean it's it for for a few weeks it's been fairly obvious who's going to play uh, each game but obviously we made five changes last night and um You'd imagine Marco will make some more on uh, on Monday. Yeah, it seems like that's his tact at the moment. We're just going to try some new things, try and embed in some of our uh, some of our sort of um, players that haven't featured an awful lot. I mean, I've got no no idea what we're going, what sort of team we're going to field after the seeming randomness that was uh, was <laughs> the Liverpool lineup. I suspect we'll see Teddy back. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why not, unless he is carrying a knock or something. Um, in the middle, Harrison Reed probably make a return. Um, I've, I imagine we'll see a, a lineup that we're sort of a lot more used to. Uh, Vinicius up top, I think. I think he made enough of a stake to, uh, to to claim his spot again. Yeah, that would be my lineup. I would I would I would take Cedric and Lukic, put them back on the bench, bring in Tete, bring in Reed. Other than that, I think I'm fairly calm with with how it was. I, I like having Wilson and uh, Willian. On the uh, on the wings, I think Kearney in the ten makes sense. And as you say, I think Vinicius has done enough to to keep his place for this one final match that he's got before the kind of the big reunion in Southampton when uh, when, when the Metro celebration tour um, <laughs> uh, starts in earnest for, um, for for three matches. I mean that game that that we played against Leicester, they were poor, but they did create quite a lot. I remember that evening it was a bit of skin of teeth stuff that that evening i remember mark albrighton coming on off, off the bench and actually was was pretty dangerous but yeah you look at this lineup telemans and Didi and sumari in the middle and then that that front three of madison vardy and barnes the defense is going to yeah. have to be on it on um on monday to, to keep those three quiet because there is still bags of talent in that in that attacking line yeah i mean managed to keep the likes of salah at bay last night like yeah you know, the, the hope for the back line will be full of confidence. We've got obviously we'll see Diop and um, Tosin back in the back in the middle. I've, I've, I'm not I'm not nervous. Like <laughs> this defence have proven that we can go toe to toe with the best of them. But yeah, they're gonna have to be on their game. I mean, now, now for Fulham, it, it, it surely is just solidifying that that tenth place. You know, you look at the league and we're <laughs> <laughs> it's destined. Like we've got like five points below us, five points above us, above us. Yeah, so <laughs> it looks like it's pretty nailed on now. It's just. I think we just need we just need a couple of wins, maybe to stop a, a Palace juggernaut. You know, they're five points behind us. If if they won at the weekend, that suddenly becomes two, and then you're like, okay, come on, uh, we don't want to drop into the bottom half now. That's got to be the aim. It was previously. I think I really wanted to finish above Brentford, but I sadly think that's just slightly out of out of grasp. Yeah, I think them getting that win over Forest um, has, has potentially taken that away. So. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's surely now the aim. Just just get in the top ten, finish top ten, finish above Chelsea. I think we could do that without. <laughs> really. I mean, they are in such disarray. Reading a brilliant article yesterday by ESPN about the uh, the permutations for for Chelsea to go down. <laughs> um, it was quite a fun read. Sadly, Fulham actually don't come out that well of it because um, I think we have to lose a couple of games. We have to lose to Leicester and Southampton to, to, to make it possible. I mean, I mean, I'd fall on my sword for that. Would if you? It, yeah, if it meant Chelsea going down. And for, I mean, like we're obviously up, but if if it meant Chelsea going down, I would I would happily sacrifice losing to both Everton and Southampton. Would you not? It would be the best thing that has happened <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be happy about it at the time, but if the end result was guaranteed, <laughs> if it was guaranteed that they'll go down, then yeah, I would probably uh, probably. It make would be that like sacrifice. Leicester winning the league levels of, of brilliant craziness, like. I actually think if you were to look at the odds of Chelsea to go down like before the season, it would be around about the odds. I mean, yeah. Leicester were five thousand to one to win that year, weren't they? Yeah, I reckon probably I a Chelsea reckon- relegation probably would be on the thousand to one element. I mean, it's just, it's, and then the annoying thing is, is that there's a few results from earlier in the season. They went on a run of four wins in October. I think under 
Potter. Without that. They're, they're right in the mixer. Because oh, they are like <laughs> losing games left, right and centre. They've still got, I think they've still got to play Man City. I think they've still got to play Newcastle, if I'm not mistaken as well. Yeah. It's such a shame. I was saying to um, a friend of mine that it's a shame that Big Sam's ended up going to Leeds when he could have got them out of a relegation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, better than Pep, better than Klopp, better than Arteta, Big Sam Allardyce uh, at Leeds United. I mean, it is just kind of weird as well from a Fulham perspective, looking at the rest of the league. The rest of the league is just making like absolutely batshit decisions and doing crazy stuff. And here's just solid little Fulham intent on its own island, not going up, not going down. It's like we're in with this like small patch of oasis in the middle of the Premier League that just is just coasting to the end of the season. It's it's a very enjoyable place to be, isn't it? It's the picture of tranquility, isn't it? Yeah. It's 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 great. I mean, I just don't want this season to end. What a ride it's been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, look, um, it's a three o'clock kickoff on Monday against Leicester. It's um, it's not on the telly. It's a little bit unclear exactly why it's been moved. I, I, I think it's to do with the coronation, but like Spurs are playing on Saturday, which is the day of the coronation. So it's not immediately transparent as to why it is on bank holiday Monday. But I assume it would be to do with the police resourcing in the capital because you, you, would, you wouldn't uh, we wouldn't be able to have more than a certain amount of like one game they could probably just about the Met could probably just about stump it up but that's that's the only logical explanation I can think of yeah. it's just about police resource but I, mean, I don't I don't hate it either three o'clock on a bank holiday Monday it's a nice little way to top off the um, another another banky yeah it'll be uh, it'll be all right we'll, we'll see what uh, Fulham produce uh, in in that match and uh, yeah then we got the, uh, the the fun of the live show straight afterwards yeah what are you expecting from the Leicester game by the way how do you think it's going to pan out I'm, I'm, I'm f- thinking it's very difficult to call it's extremely difficult. I wouldn't be massively surprised if it ended up being a draw. But I, I, I think that I think we showed in the Leeds and Everton games that like there's still enough hunger in this Fulham team to win matches. And we had no problem kind of swatting them aside. The only game that's actually been really frustrating in this run, and I think like is, is West Ham. But you've seen an improvement from them as well. I think Leicester are in that actually really poor set of five sides. And, and West Ham were always maybe a little bit too good um, to, to be actually seriously considered to, to go down. So I, th- I, I, I don't know. It'll be tight, but I think, I think Fulham might just nick it. They're going to be very nervous going in. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of, I think, shaky sort of... Um, errors early on just because it's such a huge game for them especially with the two they got coming up afterwards I think if Fulham can capitalise on that and, and get an early goal then we'll go on to win comfortably I mean you saw in the um, Leicester Everton game it was a fantastic game and, and I did watch um, most of it is that how many chances Everton were making and Daniel Everson was saving Leicester's skin like Everton I mean should have been out of sight the, the chance that Dominic Calvert-Lewin misses in the, in the first half and then funnily enough but I think it sums up Leicester perfectly that moment where like Dominic Calvert-Lewin's missed an open goal and then tw- 10 seconds later, Jamie Vardy's making one of his trademark runs through on goal and it's, uh, it's a fantastic save from Jordan Pickford to, to deny him at the other end. So I think you, you will get the sublime and the ridiculous with Leicester. You will get, um, I think, a lot of chances, but also they still have players that, that can hurt you at the other end. And that's why I just keep thinking that Leicester won't go down is because of that experience in big games of players like Vardy. You know, he's literally won the league for Leicester and that's why I just keep thinking and but these games keep coming and going for Leicester where I think okay today's the day where I think Leicester are going to win and get themselves clear of, of, of danger and, and and they just don't so I mean there's something really fundamentally wrong I also think from a Fulham perspective if I'm looking at the team strategically who I want to go down it's not Leicester I would want Leicester to stay up because I think long term they've got problems they don't have the cash to invest because the owners are in such financial problems because of like, when covid hit and um, their, their king power business is not the force that it once was and so i think that leicester will struggle again next season as well and so whereas a side like leeds i think if they stayed up you know they've just sacked Victor Orta they're obviously going to make big changes i think they would make sure that this doesn't happen again Whereas I think Leicester will still be in trouble in 12 months' time, even if they stay up. So, strategically, I would rather it be Everton and Leeds that go down. 
and and oh and Southampton but they're just gone yeah <laughs> like yeah. South, I, I think we might relegate Southampton I think you look at it now well, especially we've got Mitro back it's going to well, be it's going to be like if you're like, if you're a Southampton fan looking at um, the Mitro suspension situation you must be just like oh, give, <laughs> give us a break he's yeah. been suspended for eight games and the one game he comes back for is us yeah in, in, a, in a game that we like have to win to stand any chance I mean you, you listen to Saints fans they, they think they, they think they're gone Mm. It's six points. They've still got a couple of tough games in there as well. That I think they are as good as down. It's now two of Everton, Forest, Leeds, and Leicester who have a point between them. It's it's going to be thrilling. And uh, as we say, we're just sat here in the sunshine and the tranquility of tenth. Lovely stuff. Happy I, days. I, I really hope that Ward Prowse puts in a good shift against us, so gets uh, turns Tony Khan's head because I would absolutely love to see him at our club. Yeah, well, we uh, he can certainly uh, take a free kick. He'll end our free kick curse that we uh, still can't uh, still can't seem to score from one. I still reckon Pereira would try and uh, take them ahead of him. <laughs> James, look, mate, <laughs> you're all right, but I can hit the bar reliably every single time. <laughs> it's literally crossbar challenge yeah. whenever Andreas gets over the ball, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. All right, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we're going to answer some of your questions. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy here with George. Let's do some of your emails. Oh, just to say, no, this will catch on today. Um, we're storing them up for the live show. So there will be a bumper. This will catch on, uh, which we'll record from the half moon, which will go in next week's Thursday club. So no, this will catch on today. I know that basically now everyone's going to turn off the podcast because it's their, uh, it's their favorite part of the show. Everyone's going to be uh, extremely angry and, uh, and upset, but uh, it'll be worth it. We've got to, we've got to ration the, uh, the good, this will catch ons that, uh, that we've got coming through. I do love the live, this will catch on. Yeah, it is different, isn't it? It's going to be an ample harvest come Monday. There'll be a, a bumper edition. Hearing, uh, I think we should get some sort of like pull down screen with karaoke lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> have, have, have a sing along. See if we can get that uh, cobbled together uh, by Monday. Why not? I, yeah. Uh, and that's it. That's a call to action, actually. If, if you've got one that you've been sitting on, you know, you've, yes. you've, you've put a bit of time in the studio, you just need to get the producer in and, and twiddle the EQ a little bit, maybe finesse those lyrics. Now's the time to get them in because yeah. it could be immortalized in the, in the live show. Um, so we're going to be doing a mix of new ones and then also we're going to be doing a bit of the, a look back at the season best of, right? Yeah, we'll probably play a couple of the classics just to... Play the hits. Play the hits. <laughs> well, uh, that's that's what we'll be doing. Uh, yeah, hello at fullamish.co.uk if you have got a This Will Catch On that you'd like to submit for the live show. Um, there's definitely still a couple of spaces up for grabs. Um, let's uh, go into some of your emails though. We'll uh, still do that today. First one from uh, Jerry Smith. It says, hi, Sammy. Fully support your views on the latest season ticket pricing. My son and I are season ticket holders in the hammy end, and although we are renewing our tickets, we are disgruntled at the 18% increase. 10% would have seemed reasonable in today's economic climate. In light of this, I will now refuse to buy from the outlets below the stand. I usually buy my son and I a pint, either before the game or at half-time. I calculate the extra 8 percent across two season tickets i am over 65 will cost us an extra 73 pounds by not buying two pints per game across 19 home matches i calculate we will save 228 pounds now show them <laughs> excellent i'm all for that yeah he says he strikes me that if all supporters who like me feel pissed off by the size of the increase were to boycott the outlets including the shop it would send a strong message to the club i appreciate for many a pint at the game is part of the day out but somehow we will have to get our message across even if we could get all boy uh, supporters to boycott all outlets for just one home game as a protest, that would send a message. We could even get away supporters involved. Keep up the good work from Jerry. Uh, I've met Jerry. Jerry and his son uh, are both lovely uh, regulars at the old Bishop's Bar that I uh, that I go to. Um, I actually read this, George, and I was like, I think he's onto something because I've been struggling with how supporters would be best to voice their displeasure at the club about the the pricing because you know we obviously did stop the greed and the problem is is i don't want anything that like is negative against the team you know all of the ideas of a walkout or something if you walked out 10 minutes before the end that's what liverpool famously did when they protested against ticket prices it does send a good message but also that it negatively impacts the team who we are just absolutely not protesting against so something as simple as everyone doesn't buy stuff inside the ground for a match 
would actually be quite an effective way of, of, of sending a message to the right people in the right way. And it would need to be coordinated well. This is just blue sky thinking at this point. But I actually think that Jerry's onto something there, that that actually, it might seem a little bit trivial, you know, oh, it's only one pint. But it would certainly... Um, certainly ruffle some feathers it would certainly get a message across in a way that i think is 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 reasonable and and hurts the right people yeah i mean there's a lot of practical um difficulties with that i mean obviously you've got the undeniable tourist trade who we might not be able to get the message to who are inevitably going to buy themselves a hot dog or a beer and also there's the fact that i mean myself included like having a beer at half time is you know, one of the one of the best bits about the whole day. So it's quite a sacrifice and one that I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people wouldn't be um, willing to give up. But I mean, it could extend beyond the clubs, you know, not getting the home shirt. Um, if you get a coordinated group of people together, then it would definitely send a message. I don't know whether a whole stadium ones, obviously, I don't think particularly realistic, but you don't need to. It just needs to make a dent, a noticeable dent in the figures. And then they're like, oh, OK, right. It's, if you want to treat us like consumers, then we'll withhold our right to consume. Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, it would be very difficult and it would require a lot of coordination and it would require buy-in. And I think that is not necessarily guaranteed. As you say, like trying to tell someone, no, you can't buy that beer is quite draconian. Like it's, it's, it's not easy. But if there was the will in the fan base to do it, I think it would be an effective way. I think Jerry's even, but also I, I quite like Jerry's stance, even if there wasn't a coordinated effort. Just, mm. you know, make your own decision. Yeah. I, I, might, I, might, I might follow suit. I don't need a, one of those shitty Camden Hales. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take my custom elsewhere. I might, you know, go buy your burger from, from Emma down the road and the, uh, towards Hammersmith and her burger van. Don't get, don't get one in the ground, you know. All, all that can be done to, you know, hurt the club's bottom line on this and, and send a message is great, but... And it's also just about mitigating your costs. Like, it's just, it's just you know, simp- it, it's, if you're... If you're ticket prices have gone up and you want to make that money back then you look at the day as a whole and think right what can i cut back on it it does make sense even just from a from a cost saving perspective i, yeah. I think it's a, it's a really smart suggestion yeah let's and see let's, of- let's see if uh, you know there's there's that there's the appetite it certainly would be um it's certainly the best idea i think i've heard so far um put it that way jerry love it uh this one from mark weston says hi all love the show long time listener first time question asker um is anybody else getting sick of the bias slash inability slash complete lack of actual knowledge being displayed by Sky Sports recently? After the Liverpool game, their match review, which I read through their app, said the penalty incident was given against Diop for recklessly hacking the Liverpool forward down. What? <laughs> Surely even the most ardent of Liverpool fans must be able to acknowledge that it was super soft. So what the hell is going on? with what is supposed to be uh, one of the most knowledgeable and trustworthy, ahem, broadcasters of sport. Would it help if we change the name of our ground to G-Tech Cottage? Uh, seriously, though, why is their focus on Diop's mistake if there actually was one rather than the balls up that the referee slash VAR made of that situation? Uh, anyway, still proud of the boys. And whilst the season may be trailing off ever so slightly, if you'd offered me 17th on goal difference at the start of the season, I'd have ripped your hand off and the hands of most of your nearest and dearest. Great show. Uh, keep it up. Um, and that is from Mark, who is in California. Um, and he says, uh, at least I can sleep easy knowing I'm not paying for my Sky Sports subscriptions because he's in California. I think rather than there necessarily being some sort of conspiracy against Fulham, I just sometimes think that coverage of teams like us is just lazy. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's sometimes... Ignorance. It's an afterthought, isn't it? It's, uh, oh, we need to cover it. I mean, we were speaking about it the other day, the way that the outlets work is that it's obviously weighted towards the the best supported teams. And often you'll get pundits who haven't even been watching the game. They've just been shown a little highlight reel and they're like, oh, I've got to put my two pence in here. They haven't watched the game. They don't have any sort of in-depth understanding. They're probably up against the deadline and they just need to get a line out. And it's just, it leaves clubs like us feeling hard done by but like nothing's changed it's always been like that I think what's frustrating is that if you mirrored that exact instant that happened and let's say it was Van Dyke who challenged Harry Wilson in the box and the exact same thing happened Fulham got that, that soft penalty you can imagine that the coverage of that incident would be everywhere 
it would be forensic detail looking at whether Harry Wilson was touched or wasn't touched. It would be the lead story on Sky Sports News for the whole day. The media is driven by clicks and hits and sadly there isn't enough of us as Fulham fans to make those articles work. If you write about Fulham it doesn't get the hits whereas you can talk about what um, Eric Ten Hag had for breakfast <laughs> and and it gets 10 times the amount and eventually that's why I think clubs like Fulham are just a bit of an afterthought. We have to, we've got to mention them because you can't not but it's just easier not to actually bother putting the research in because people don't kick off in the same way when you make a mistake talking about Fulham. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with everything you said there. It's frustrating, but I've, I feel like I've kind of gotten used to it now. Yeah. And you get, we get our, we get our, um, you know, our Fulham fix from other resources. You know, like all the, all the fantastic fan-led outlets that we've got. Like, yeah, that's that's where you, if you want true knowledgeable discussion, go to them. Not the two sentences that you've got on the. Sky Sports live feed. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that going to a wider existential talk about the media here, but it's why, it's why we exist. It's why, it's why people listen to us and why people listen to Cottage Talk and, and Fulham Focus and all of those. You know, it's why, it's why we exist. It's why we're there because we, we do cover it in more detail. Yeah, the thing is, it's like even when we're doing well and we're having like the, you know, the best, uh, the only time that I can really think of Fulham being the, you know, the talk of the town was the Europa League run. That was, that was a big story. And and I remember reading about that everywhere. You know, that was on the back pages, front page. But since then, like, you know, we had arguably just an unbelievable season last year and we still were just a little, a little throwaway line. Like, oh, Fulham been promoted with a plum. Like, um, yeah, it's it's frustrating, I think, but it's inevitable, and it's just the it's just the way that a way that it works. But I'm like everyone else, you know. I listen to generic football podcasts that cover the whole sport, and I'm there like waiting to hear like, the line or two about <laughs> Fulham, and and more often than not, it is disappointing. It isn't as much as you think it's going to be, unless you got Archie Rintart who's flying the flag. <laughs> well done, Archie Rintart. Yes, he uh, he flies the flag, but it, sometimes it needs a Fulham fan in actually to do the work in that to actually get us out there occasionally there, there are um, moments where actually the outside media do a great job but they are few and far between really um, but as I say fortunately there is enough Fulham content I think out there in it to, to, to cover it nicely but it's, it's sometimes a shame because I love hearing what others think about us and, and sometimes there's a bit of a lack of it yeah and also if you're I think if you're a proper football fan if you are a proper football fan you want to know good insightful analysis on different teams that you're up against like that that's within everyone's interest to have that good quality like everyone's sick to death of the top six like I, I, I really want to know like how you know you've got Crystal Palace coming up like what, what how their inverted wingers have been doing like it, it's it's within everyone's interest but it's, I just think it's laziness really to be honest yeah 100% laziness and uh, and a desire to chase clicks is basically how, how, how it all works um, one final question from Carl Kent um, he's asking um, why Marcus Silva hasn't or is waiting until the summer to sign a new contract it's very strange uh, for a manager to have one year left on his contract and not to sign a new one um, it's a huge summer for Fulham why haven't we got this sorted um, I mean he's right yeah I mean I, I'd, that would be I think a, a top priority for, uh, for for Fulham to get sorted as, as soon as possible and but it could be Marco like it might maybe the club's made an offer to him it, it's not necessarily that the club haven't offered a contract yeah I think everyone's starting to get a bit sort of antsy about this one aren't they they're like come on like what's what's happening here mm. Well, get pen to paper like the longer it goes on the more of a thing it becomes as well it would be a huge relief if when see we were just waiting on it I don't know I don't know what the what the hold up is I, I just I, I think the one for me is you see that Spurs job that that's the big gaping hole that makes me worried because I think that's the kind of club that if he were to move it would be to a club like Spurs and that I think and, and there doesn't seem to be a clear candidate of who's going to take that job at the moment. Whereas the Chelsea job sewn up, it's going to be Pochettino if it's not already. But the Spurs one, I don't think they will go for silver. But it's just that always that small ceiling of doubt that he could. I mean, Marco Silva has never made any attempt to hide his ambition. Yeah. And I mean, we've spoken about how 
really good Fulham managers seem to come in three-year cycles. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, it would, it would, it would, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. It's just sort of history repeating himself. And I pray to God he, he has a change of heart and decides to commit long-term because, and, and just feel like we're building something really special here. You've heard the, the way the players talk about this squad. It's like we're building something. This is obviously the mentality that Marco's instilling in the team. Like, this is a long-term plan. We can achieve great things. We can break records. We can become the greatest side Fulham has ever seen. And just pray that he practices what he's obviously been trying to instill in the team and, and, and does commit to it. Well, yeah, and this is like something that we kind of inferred in part one, but we didn't really, I didn't really put it clearly. It's like, despite us losing three games in a row, like we just have, to, to Villa, to City, to Liverpool, probably three of the most informed teams in the league at the moment. It it's was a always, tough run. It was a, yeah, it wasn't the <laughs> easiest run. And we've come out all those games losing by a one-goal deficit. And effectively, the common denominator in all of them is just not having a goal scorer, I think. You know, last night, I think if Mitrovic is on the pitch, we get an equaliser. I think if Villa, Mitrovic on the pitch, I think we get an equaliser. And City as well. I just think... In all of those games, we just lacked that focal point, the main man of our team. But actually, the team as a whole contained three very, very, very good football teams that are in the peak of their powers right now. And that excites me for next season. Like, really, really excites me. When the band is back together, when Tim Ream's arm is snapped back in place, once Andreas Pereira is recovered from his, from his surgery, once Mitrovic isn't suspended, I think there's a seedling of there something with a couple of little signings dotted in if we keep everyone in the squad we keep Polini we keep Robinson who we might face challenges for I think now would be a terrible time for Marcus Silva to leave I don't think and also I think there's an element still of the United game haunting everyone and some some reasons to prove everyone right and whilst I didn't approve of that Shahid article in the Times I thought it was awful one thing that was very interesting was how Marco was really remorseful after that happened and obviously was deeply affected by by that day and the fact that we had a chance of winning something or at least doing something special whether we were going to win it or not probably not but we could have got to Wembley and I think that really hurt I, I just don't see any reason why you'd leave now I think that you've got something where actually the year three of your project could really really blossom I mean this will age terribly in 12 months time when we're facing relegation but I think we're on the cusp of something or am I going mad it's, no it's certainly all pointing towards that you know this this isn't this isn't you know Rome wasn't built in a day this is this has been a sustained effort for a long time this this squad's been cultivated and built and drilled and he's got them all playing for each other it would be a really really sad day if he does leave or you know sees out the end of his contract and this is yeah a huge opportunity. And we, we were talking when we were coming out of Banfield last night, like we've sort of accepted like tenth is our fate. Like I, I have no idea what to expect for next season. Yeah. I really don't. Like if somebody offered me Fulham finish tenth again next year, I I I, I probably yeah. Take it. <laughs> it's, I, um, it's probably not the most exciting thing to take, but all, all day long. Yeah yeah of course. All day long. But then there's scope to like if we're lucky with injuries if we make a few key signings if we retain the signings that we've already made that spine of the team then I think anything's possible you know yeah I just I just don't think that and lots of people have been quick to say that what Fulham have achieved this season has been a fluke or it's been because of we've exceeded our XG and all of that and all of that Fulham have had to overcome a lot this season and still finish 10th you know, we've had injury crises. We've had a massive long suspension for our main player. You know, you look at our friends down the road in uh, at the G-Tech. You know, they've got to face that next season. They've got to face Ivan Tony being out for a long time. They've got problems. We've, we've overcome those problems. And if, if we can get the stars to align next season, I, I honestly think that we're in for another special season. Another special season might just be finishing 10th and reaching the semi-finals of a cup. That's still a great season for Fulham. Like, let's not get above our station here and, th and demand Europe. No, like, no, no, of course not. But I think, in theory, Fulham can challenge anyone in this league. And we've proven that actually weirdly in the last three games with three defeats. It's kind of odd, isn't it? To, to come out of three defeats kind of happy. <laughs> yeah, I was so proud of our team last night. Yeah. Really was, really was. And um, yeah. I had a similar feeling at City. Villa wasn't as good, I'll be honest. Like, Villa was uh, a poorer performance. But these two games against City and Liverpool, I think, yeah, we've got no reason not to hold our heads up high. Also, to all the people that say that, like, Fulham have overachieved, been fluky, you can't fluke a league position. I'm no. sorry. You just can't. 
Like we 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 are where we deserve to be. Hundred percent. So yeah, well, uh, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, hope the uh, the wind and the background noise hasn't been uh, too off-putting. It's certainly been uh, a joy for us to uh, sit here uh, having a flat white uh, recording. We should do this a bit more, George. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> Little day trips. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and uh, what's the best uh, three-word review? What would you like to go with as today's podcast name? Yeah, clear, clear winner here. Yeah, Rach Stevens all with. Darwin's levitation theory. Yeah, it's very good that. <laughs> very good. I, I love when uh, the the pod names just uh, just have so many angles to it. And uh, yeah, I think that one was the, definitely the best. There were some great candidates uh, today, though. And uh, yeah, that'll do for the podcast. Thank you so much um, for listening, and thank you to George Cooper for being alongside me. Oh, mate, my pleasure. I'm I'm absolutely buzzing for the live show. Thanks to everyone who got a ticket for that. Like, yeah, that's going to be. Um, like, it's obviously we're going to be tackling the the Leicester City game but it's also just going to be a bit of a bit of a sort of look back on what's been a quite incredible season yeah 100%. a few beers bit of a celebration yeah um, I can't wait uh, so that podcast if you're not going to the live show will be out on Tuesday uh, we'll, we'll turn that around in the uh, in the lab and uh, yeah you'll be able to listen to our thoughts on the Leicester game uh, on Tuesday and then the Thursday club which technically today was the Thursday club will be back next Thursday looking ahead to the Metro reunion party uh, <laughs> at, down on the south coast at Southampton so yeah thank you very much for listening and uh, come on you whites you whites